I'm Vanessa Pritchard. Welcome to this podcast from Keep Believing Ministries. Today's message was given by Dr. Ray Pritchard. At Keep Believing Ministries, we want to encourage and equip people to keep believing in Jesus. You can find us online at www.keepbelieving.com. Stay tuned for this special podcast. I want to talk to you for a few minutes about good news for unfinished people. Good news for unfinished people. This is the message that God laid on my heart, and it is a, it's a message from one of the wonderful passages in the New Testament, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It's the benediction at the end of the book of 1 Thessalonians. This is 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 23 and 24. It's a great place to land to lift our spirits at the end of this pastor's retreat as we're all going back home and heading back into our fields of service. Here is a benediction that points us back toward God. Good news for unfinished people. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24. And this is what the text says. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who called you is faithful and he will do it. This is a prayer for sanctification. It's interesting, the different translations, how they handle this. Some say, may God, the God of peace himself, sanctify you completely. Some versions say, make you completely holy. One version says, may God himself make you pure, belonging only to him. Here is a prayer that God would make us totally holy, completely pure in every part, in every way. That, my friends, has not happened yet. We're on the way, but we are not there yet. We are not yet totally holy. We are not yet completely pure in every part, in every way. But this is a prayer God will answer. And really, the way I see it, it's as if Paul, having written to the Thessalonians, these young believers, and corrected them and encouraged them and instructed them about the coming of the Lord and and given so much good exhortation, it's almost as if he is saying at the end of the letter, Lord, I have done all I can, and I have taught these people All I know, Lord, you've got to take over now. Unless you help them, it won't turn out right. Lord, unless you come and do something, my work and my words are in vain. Sanctification is everything God does in your life and in mine to make sure we turn out right. Here is the conundrum, and we all feel it. We know the positional truths of the Bible, seated with Christ in the heavenly places, in Christ now, eternally sure, having our salvation. And yet, in this life, day by day as we live it, we're keenly aware how far we still have to go. We are not finished yet. That's why we pray. That's why we seek the Lord. Someday, we are going to be finished. That's what sanctification means. Now, in these two verses, here is a simple outline. In these two verses, you have five 
P's, the person, the purpose, the prospect, the position, and the promise. Here is number one, the person, God himself, the God of peace. Look how Paul says it. First, it's God. Then it's God himself. Then it is the God of peace. Here then is the truth. Only God can make you better. Only God can make you better. Think about that for a moment. Exercise improves your body. Therapy may help your soul. Friends may lift your spirits. Good fortune may improve your circumstances. But only God can make you better. God is the author and the source of all spiritual progress. Is that not what Jesus meant when he said, Without me, you can do nothing. In contrast to all of our feeble efforts at moral betterment and self-improvement, Paul simply says, God, God himself, the God of peace, it starts with God. And if it doesn't start there, you haven't really started at all. So that's number one, the person. That's God, God himself. Number two, the purpose. May God, God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. It's very interesting. That's, that, this one particular translation, through and through, that's, that's the part of the verse that other translations say holy or completely. It's actually, it's a Greek word that, that, that Paul had that's actually two other Greek words joined together. One part means whole or complete, and the other part means at the end. Whole or complete at the end. God has ordained. God intends that when we finally get to the end, our sanctification will be whole and we will be complete. We'll be exactly where God wants us to be. That's good because how many of us feel fragmented today? How many of you woke up this morning thinking about what you've got to do when you get back home? How many of you How many of you have been thinking about it since this service started? This is just the world. It's okay with me. It doesn't bother me. I understand how it goes. We are fragmented people. We're here partly, but our minds are here, 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 here. We feel pulled in so many directions. What can you say about us, fragmented people? There ought to be a sign up above all of us. Work in progress. What God has ordained at the end. When he is finished, the fragmentation will be gone. The worry will be gone. The fear will be gone. The confusion will be gone. The uncertainty will be gone. And we will be where God wanted us to be. And we will be finally the people God always intended us to be. Let me say it to you this way. We are not finished yet, but we will be. We're not completely clean today. But we will be. We're not wholly wise today. But we will be. We're not always useful to God. But we will be. So I was reading dear old John Calvin on this passage. And John Calvin said this. He said, God intends the entire renovation of the man. I love that. The entire renovation of the man. What sanctification is nothing more than the entire renovation of who we are, body, soul, 
in spirit. So I, I, that word, renovation, I started thinking about that. I wonder how many of you watch those renovation shows on HGTV. My wife and I, we are flat hooked on those renovation shows. We have watched, and there's no exaggeration, hundreds of hours. I, look, I can be walking through the living room, and if I see flipper flop on, I gotta, I gotta sit down and I gotta watch a little bit of. If I, if I'm walking by, and Marlene's watching Property Brothers, I gotta sit down and watch Property Brothers because that's a cool show. If I, if I'm walking through, or, or if I'm flipping through, and I see love it or list it, there's something addictive about that. Are you gonna love it? Or are you going to list it? And of course, the king of all renovation shows, Fixer Upper, with Chip and Joanna Gaines. My heart was broken when they, when they went off the air and stopped making those. You know, I said, love Chip and Joanna. I mean, they are Christians. They love the Lord. And for a number of years, until just last April, we were living in Dallas. And so Chip and Joanna are just down the road in Waco, Texas, like about 75 miles south of Dallas. And they've got the Magnolia Market down there. Has anybody, have any of you guys been to Waco to the Magnolia Market? Okay, good. Look, I see the Christians in our group. All right, now. Before I'm over, I'm going to give you two travel recommendations. And this is the first one. Go to Waco, Texas, to the Magnolia Market. Grant and Fern have been there. They can testify. It's fantastic. It's, uh, let, me, let me just do say this. It's not a charity work. Bring your credit cards with you. They're not giving anything away down there at Magnolia. But the silos that they talk about, you can see the silos in the garden they've got there. And they've opened up that, uh, that bakery there. So, I mean, they've kind of they've been the renovation. Downtown Waco, before Chip and Joanna, was a little bit on the run. That's not so much run down anymore. I mean, there's this, it's, they've really changed the downtown of Waco. So you go there and you see it. It's fantastic. So, look, so go to Waco. Just don't ask questions. Just go to Waco. You'll, you'll be glad you did. But, look, here's the thing. You could be watching uh, Fixer Upper. Or you could be watching Flipper Flop. That's the one with the California couple, right? Or you could, you could be watching uh, Love It or List It or Property. You know, they're all the same. You know, they, they, uh, uh, Chip says, Joanna, this is a fantastic house. This is going to be an incredible. This is going to be the greatest renovation we have ever done. It doesn't matter. It's the same way with all those other shows. And they get started always the same way. The demo day. They're ripping stuff out. And they're, isn't it fun? You just watch them knock those walls down and pull in the pipe. It's just something. It just appeals to you. Tear something up, you know. You watch them ripping it out. It's always fantastic. And then it's almost time. Almost time for a commercial break. And it's the same way in every one of the shows. All of a sudden, Chip calls up Joanne. He says, we've got a problem. Every show, we've got a problem. There's termites on. Uh, we got a problem. We're going to have to pull out all the plumbing. We got a problem. That, that, that This post isn't supposed to. We didn't even know it was supposed to. Be. Well, we got a problem. The roof is falling in. And, and they hang you on a cliff right there. And it's almost the last thing they'll say is, I don't know, I don't know if we're going to be able to finish this one or not. Cut to commercial. So you've got to stay, and you've got to come back. So what starts easy turns out to be really, really difficult. And they just barely get the thing done. But at the end, after 
Are you ready to see your fixer upper? And they've got that picture of that old house. And then it, you know, it goes out like this. And they always, oh, 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 oh my, I can't believe how fast. How did you do it? You were here during the whole process. Don't act so surprised. (laughs) So, if you watch those shows, you come to two conclusions, which you always, construction is difficult, right? It always takes longer, right? It always costs more money. It doesn't matter what you're doing. The older the house, the more the renovation, because the more the hidden problems, it's going to be a mess to get to the end result. Listen, if you think buildings are hard, try a person. Try a human being. Try a man. Or a woman. That's really difficult. You know what I think death is for the Christian? I think death is God saying, I've done all I can down there. Why don't you come on up here and I'll finish the job where the working conditions are better. God does as much as he can, but there's only so much that can be done here on earth. Today, we are holy in spots. But when God is finished with us, He's going to rip out that faulty wiring. He's going to dig up that busted plumbing. He's going to take down all those ugly walls. He's going to rip out that bad wallpaper. He's going to put up new walls, new wiring, new piping, new ceiling. And in the end, in the end, we're going to be holy, exactly what he always wanted us to. That's why I love what Calvin said. This is what he's about. The entire renovation of the man. He's going to change us from the inside out and the outside. Here's the prospect, number three. Your whole spirit, your whole soul, your whole body. This is not a partway renovation. This is not just a couple of rooms. You do see that every once in a while on these renovations, especially love it or list it. That woman will say, you know, we just ran out of money and we couldn't get to the bathroom upstairs. You had to decide between the washer and dryer in the basement or the bathroom on the third floor. So we did the washer and dryer, but we couldn't. It's not going to be that way with God. He's going to take care of the basement, the first floor, the second floor, the third floor. He's not going to stop until body Soul and spirit is completely renovated by His divine power. Let me ask you a question. Suppose you could change anything about yourself. Anything at all. Suppose, suppose that today, right here at Forest Springs, you could say some words and be changed any way you want. Where would you start? Lots of us would start on the outside, the part we have to look at, the part the rest of us have to look at. Would you be skinnier, taller, shorter, better looking? Would you change your eyes, your hair, your teeth, your legs, your bulges? Would it be a light touch-up or an extreme makeover? Would we even recognize you? What would you change on the inside? Would it be an impatient spirit, a critical tongue, envy of those around you, a spirit of discontentment, lingering resentment, 
uncontrolled sexual temptation, financial mismanagement, guilty conscience, pride and arrogance, prejudice toward others, a quick temper, profound discouragement, an ungrateful spirit, a mean streak. For all this stuff that needs to be changed on the outside, how much more needs to be changed on the inside? Here's the good news. We are going to be changed. The stuff about us that drives us crazy about ourselves will be gone forever. Won't you be glad? Won't you be glad with the bad habits you've been struggling with? Won't you be glad to get to a day where it's gone for? Won't you be glad when that critical spirit that sometimes comes out, won't you be glad when that's gone forever? Won't you be glad when your temper is gone forever? Won't you be glad when the sexual temptations that sometimes grab you will be gone forever? Won't you be glad when your ingratitude, which in your better moments you feel so bad about, won't you be glad when that ingratitude and that ungracious spirit is finally gone? There is a day coming. We wrestle now. We struggle now. We, we are not yet what we want to be, but we will be. That day is coming. Number four, the position. This is what God intends us to be. May God sanctify you wholly, completely, through and through. Your whole, my, your whole spirit, your soul, and your body, so that when Jesus comes again, here's the position. You may be blameless. This is a legal term. comes from the courtrooms of the first century. What it means is you're on trial and there's evidence against you and the evidence is put into play and you're found guilty because you are blameworthy. Blameworthy. Now, what it is, it's a, it's a Greek word that means to be guilty or to be blameworthy and the little A is put before it, which is no or not. Here it is. This is God's intention that the day is going to come for you and me when we will stand before the Lord and there will be gathered all the saints and all the angels and all the creatures and God will say, does anyone in all the universe know any reason why this person should not enter heaven? And not one voice will be raised. To be blameless means all the blameworthy stuff will finally be gone. and We will stand before the Lord whole and pure and complete. I wonder how many of us, how many of us live with a guilty conscience. No matter all the books that are written, we, we must all live with it because they keep writing books about it. You know, I mean, how many of us are tortured by things we didn't say years and years and years? Not, not just last week, not just last month. But we remember things from our past that when they come up, they embarrass us. I mean, who here, who here has no skeletons in your closet? If you say, I don't, you need to check your closet again because everybody's got skeletons in your closet. But the day will come when the Lord is going to blow the closet up. All the skeletons are going to be gone. All the bad memories are going to be gone. The record of our sins washed away, completely gone forever. And we will stand before the Lord, blameless and complete. And not even the devil himself will be able to make an accusation against us. That, my friends, is a happy day. That's a good day. You see, when Jesus returns, number one, our character will be revealed. Number two, our 
perfection will be complete. I have a question for you. Have you ever stood in front of a mirror by yourself and looked at the mirror and just said, What is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? You ever done this to the mirror? What is wrong with you? You know better than that. You're supposed to be beyond that. Why did you say that? Why did you say that? Why did you do that? As long as we live, we're going to look at ourselves and feel bad about stupid things we've said and done. Listen, listen to it this way. If the Christian life is left to us, we will fail 100% of the time. Only God can give us what we need to be victorious. Number five and finally, here is the promise. How do we know? How do we know? How do we know God is going to do this for us? Because he says in verse 24, The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Our entire hope, both in this life and in the life to come, rests on the faithfulness of God. His faithfulness bears the entire weight of our puny efforts. The one who calls you, Paul says, is faithful. Do you know what we are today? We are the called of God. We are called the children of God. But like John said, it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we shall be like him when we finally see him as he is. Today, we are called the children of God. But we don't look so much like it on the outside. That's because God is not finished yet. Romans 8, 29. We are what? Predestined? To be conformed to the image of His Son. God is determined. He is predestined. What does predestination mean? Pre means before. Destination means where you're going to end up. Predestination means before it starts. God has already determined how it's going to end. He has already determined how you're going to end up. He has determined before it all started that you will be shaped into the image of His son. The year was 1464. In Florence, Italy, a great sculptor by the name of Agostino de Duccio was commissioned by the Academy Studios in Florence, Italy. To, to, they wanted him to make a statue of, a, of an Old Testament prophet. And they gave him a giant piece of marble they were to work with. Only one problem was Everybody knew this giant piece of marble that had been quarried out of the earth. It was misshapen. It was discolored. There were veins coming through it. And, and, and it wasn't, wasn't sitting the right way. And even untrained eyes, they say, could look at that great piece of marble and go, Ooh, that's really, that's really a bad piece of marble. But the Duccio was quite a talent. And, that, and they turned him loose. And for two years, he worked on that piece of marble and and finally, he, he came back and he said, I'm sorry, I'm giving it back to you. I can't do anything with this. And so they put the piece of marble, the big hunk of marble, and they, they put it back in the storage. And there it stayed for 10 years. In 1476, they pulled it out and gave it to another sculptor by the name of Antonio Rossellino. 
And they said, have at it, buddy. And he got out his hammer and his chisel and his saw and his polishing apparatus and went to work. And not too many days and weeks and months passed before he came to the same conclusion as Deduccio that this is just a, this bad rock. This bad rock right here. It's ugly. It's misshapen. It's misformed. There is nothing that can ever be done with this. So he gave up. They put it back in the storage. And 25 years passed. And in 1501, a 26-year-old sculptor named Michelangelo was given the chance to do what he wanted with that piece of marble. Which, by the way, they called it the giant. They gave him the giant. It had defeated the Duccio. It had defeated Rossellino. And they gave it to this young man who basically was not very well known at that moment. And they said, what can you do? He said, I don't know, but I'll get started. And, and there, was a, there was a problem, they say, at the back of the... Of the there was a, just a problem area of the marble that the Duccio and Augustino couldn't do anything with him. And Michelangelo looked at it, and he thought he saw a tree stump there. And so he started carving around it, and, and, he, and he made a, a tree stump. And out of that was a leg that was resting against that tree stump. It took him four years. But in 1505, he finished his magnificent David. The statue which today is in the Academy Gallery in Florence, Italy. It has been said by the people who know such things. It has been said by the experts. It is the greatest piece of art ever produced by the hand of man. It has been said there is no statue more perfect. And they ask Michelangelo, how'd you turn that ugly piece of marble into such perfection? And he said, I looked and I saw the visage and the visage I saw guided my hands to remove everything else. Said in other terms, I cut away everything that didn't look like David. That's what God is doing in you and in me. He's cutting away everything that doesn't look like Jesus. He's cutting away. He's chipping away. He's sawing away. And sometimes that process really hurts, which is why we fight back. You see, all of us, all of us, biblically understood, are just works in progress. You ever gone through a construction zone? I'm sure you have. You've driven through it on the interstate. You, you have to slow down. And there's a sign that says, construction zone. You look around, and all you can see is just the beginning. Of, you see trucks, and you see guys working, and you see cranes, but it's not clear. There, there's, there's movement, and there's dust, and there's a whole lot of noise. But when you first go through a construction zone, it's not really clear. Unless they have a picture there, you're not even clear what they're trying to build. It's just something that's happening. It's noise and it's dust and it's movement, but it's not clear what it's going to be. So in my mind's eye, this is, this is how it comes to me. I, uh, I imagine a, a block of marble, not as big as the giant, but a block of marble that is equally misshapen that it's ugly and it's deformed and it's got veins in it and it's got discoloration. It's not very hopeful. And above it, it simply has two words, Ray Pritchard. And God is patiently working on that 
difficult piece of marble. And he's cutting here, and he's sawing there, and he's shaping here. And finally, one evening, he's been working on the left shoulder for a long time. And finally, he gets the left shoulder exactly where he wants it. And the Lord says to himself, well, that's enough for today. I'll come back, and I'll get started again tomorrow. And the Lord comes back in the morning, and he's going to start right here. Only looks at it. It's all cut up and marked up. And the Lord goes, what happened? This was perfect. What happened here? And guiltily, I raise my own hand because again and again, I am my own worst enemy. But because God is good and God is faithful and God is persistent, he picks up the hammer and the saw and the chisel and the polishing cloth and he just patiently goes back to work. Because even when I mess up the progress, he will not be stopped. He is going to, be con- he's going to continue until at last this misshapen piece of marble looks like the Lord Jesus Christ. I can tell you, I bear, I bear witness, next year I will have been a Christian 50 years. The Lord's got a long way to go. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of work still to be done. And sometimes I look at myself and go, I would have thought after 49 years, we'd be, a, we'd be a little further along than we are now. And the Lord answers back, but look at what I got to work with here. So it is, I think, for, for all of us. And look what the text says here at the end. He will do it. He will do it. Not he may do it. Not he might do it. Not he could do it. It does not say he will do it if we do our part. The text does not say that. It simply flatly declares he will do it. You see, when it's all said and done, what matters not is my strong hold on God, but his strong hold on me. Because if it depends on me, I am never going to make it. It doesn't depend on me. In the end, faithful is he who called you. He will do it. So, here it is. Good news for unfinished people. We are all unfinished this morning. And I just dropped by to tell you, we're going to be all right someday. We are going to be all right someday. We're not there yet. That day is not today. But we're going to be all right someday. Why? Because God finishes what He starts. And the only thing that's left for us is to put ourselves in the hands of a loving God and let Him do His work in us. I said I was going to give you two travel recommendations. I've already given you one. Magnolia Market down there in Waco. Let me give you another one. If you've never been, you need to take a trip to the Billy Graham Library in Charlotte, North Carolina. Any of you been to the Billy Graham Library? Nobody has. Well, you have. Good. You know how wonderful it is. That's where they had the funeral service for Dr. Billy Graham. You know, they erected the tent right on the ground. Thousands of people were there and all the dignitaries. It's where they, they, they there's, it, it looks kind of like a barn, but there's a cross in one side of what looks like a barn. They call it a library, but it's really a, it's really a memory and a memorial to the preaching of the gospel in Dr. Graham's life and, and the progress of the evangelical movement. You cannot go through the Billy Graham Library without being 
incredibly moved and thankful to God, not just for Dr. Graham, and, but for what God has been doing in the last 100 years. So that's my second recommendation. Take a long trip. Start in Waco and then go to North Carolina or start in North Carolina and then go down to whichever one you want to do. It's okay. Now, here's the thing. There at the Billy Graham Library, that's where Dr. Graham is buried. His wife, Ruth, is buried there too. She died in 2007. When we visited a couple years ago, Billy Graham Library, you you go through, take the tour, then you walk down, beautiful manicured walkway, and you come into the park that's part of the library. And... There, there's where Ruth Graham is buried. And she doesn't have a headstone the way we normally think of it. It's a, it's a beautiful piece of, of some kind of stone. Maybe, maybe it's limestone, but it's flat. It's laying on the ground, okay? And, it, and you can kind of, it's smoothed off on top, but it's kind of rough edges, like they just cut it out of the quarry, and it's smoothed out there. And at the top, there's a symbol. It's Chinese. Because her father, Dr. Nelson Bell, was a medical missionary in China. That's where Ruth Bell Graham was born. And it's the Chinese symbol for righteousness, which is lamb over me. Lamb over me. That's, that's an amazing thing. So you see that Chinese symbol? It's righteousness. And then this is what it says. Ruth Bell Graham, June 10, 1920, June 14. 2007, and underneath it are engraved these words which she personally chose. It says, end of construction, thank you for your patience. (laughs) You got to go and see it for yourself. We aren't there yet, but we will be. And when God is finally finished, when construction is over, we will be like Jesus, my friends, you can take that to the bank because faithful is he who called you and he will do it. Let's pray. Lord, we are so glad that it doesn't depend on us because we are weak, but you are strong. We are fallible, but you are perfect. And our best efforts on our best days don't amount to very much. We thank you for your perseverance with us, not just for saving us, but for helping us on the long road home from earth to heaven. So, Lord, I pray you'll take my brothers and sisters. Thank you for their faithfulness. Lord, bless them as they go back to their places of ministry. And, Lord, Lord, do your work in us. Help us to hang on and keep believing because better days are certainly coming. One day, we will be like Jesus. We say with the saints of all the ages, even so, come Lord Jesus. Faithful is he who called you. He will do it. And that is our faith and our hope and our confidence in you, Lord Jesus Christ. We love you. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. This podcast is made possible through the support of listeners like you. Come see us on the internet at www.keepbelieving.com. We'd love to hear from you this week. Join us for the next podcast from Keep Believing Ministries.